Welcome to Hawks Live. It is Thursday. My week is over. That means you got to listen to me and Paul Moyer talk all that talk. Once again, the Hawks coming off a bye. Russell Wilson seems like he's getting healthy. They're playing the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers has some drama this week. He has some explaining to do, Paul Moyer, but looks like he might be available for this game on Sunday. This is a huge two-game stretch. Starts with the Packers, then you follow it up with the Cardinals. These guys are still in the playoff hunt. They're 3-5, and five, still in the playoff hunt, one game behind Atlanta. This weekend was a great weekend for the Seattle Seahawks. The Carolina Panthers lose to the Patriots 24-26. Minnesota Vikings lose to the Baltimore Ravens 34-31. Atlanta beats the Saints, so they're in the seventh spot. Everybody can relax now. Russell's back. <laughs> they're still in the playoff hunt, right? We are in the hunt. Um, it does feel like a lifetime ago. There's just so much going on. Uh, you know, first of all, just for Russell to be back and, and able to play this week, you know, just incredible. You know, Russell being Russell. Um, you know, the whole Aaron Rodgers deal, I don't think he needs, you know, and that, he not going to explain nothing to the media. And my big concern is he's going to be so focused to have the greatest game in the history of his career. And he's, you know, he's been playing very well. I mean, I watched that Arizona Green Bay game and he had nobody. He had no wide receivers. Yeah. They were all out. And what a game plan. I think they I think this guy, I think their team is the most difficult to offense even though they're 22nd rank. You better be on your game. You got to stop the run. You got they have these really intricate screens too that are quick. I mean, they're not waiting. They're waiting to get behind you in that first wave and they are gone. And so we're going to have to be on there. We're going to have great tacklers. They've got Devontae Adams coming back. It is going to be a battle. And this kid, Aaron Rodgers, I guess he's still a kid. He's in this, <laughs> you know, compared to me. I mean, he's just, he's the one of the only guys I've seen that can actually backpedal and keep retreating and throw bullet passes everywhere. And that's what makes him so dangerous. You can have a pretty good pass rush, and he just backs up five yards, buys some time, and boom, makes the throw. You know what they do on offense, too? They attack the middle of the field. And that's where the Hawks have been hit a lot, the middle of the field. Devontae Adams, you know what's coming. You're going to line him up at the number one spot, number one receiver in a trio set. They're going to run number two and three up the field. He's going to slide underneath. Aaron Rodgers is going to backpedal like you described and drop the ball right over the top. And what about this guy, Dylan, man? This guy, I mean, you got Aaron Jones in the backfield. You combine him with Dylan. They got a good backfield as well. The numbers might mess you up because you look at them offensively and uh, they don't seem like a great offense. But when you watch them, you see Adams, you see Lazard, you see the running backs that they have. And then Aaron Rodgers. I think that's a great point that you brought up is that because of the situation he's in, I mean, this guy is a perseverer, right, back against the wall. Yeah. He, everyone's going to count him out. They're going to fail, right? He's going to come out and play a really good football game just because he wants to prove the doubt is wrong. His head coach, LaForce, said, look, he's been at every meeting virtually. He's locked in. He knows the game plan. Thankfully, he has a lot of reps. I'm, I'm quoting McFloor here. Thankfully, he has a lot of reps. He's good to go. So you can't – one, I don't think we ever sleep on the Green Bay Packers. The Hawks haven't won there since 1999. But in this situation, I think Aaron Rodgers is even more dangerous than he normally is. Well, and he's – they're getting healthy, and that's what makes me nervous. I mean, you you watch them last week. Look, Love's not ready. Um, he didn't have all the weapons either, you know, and that, that makes it tougher because Aaron is so good. Um, but their offense is tough, and, and the reason why they're tough, they move the chains. Yeah, you know, so it's not that you know, they got beat thirty-eight to three their first game of the year, thirty-eight to three, and everybody's going, "Ah, oh, me included." You know, Rogers, he doesn't care about football anymore, and then they went on a run and they beat an undefeated Arizona team, and he didn't have his guys on the road. Yeah, and then last week they go and play Kansas City. Yeah, look, they have Aaron Rodgers. They have they have for sure have run the table since the opener. This might be the best team in the NFL right now. Um, it, when they're healthy. And we're going to find out how good we are on Sunday. Um, I think we're going to play well. It's tough, as you mentioned, going into Green Bay. We're playing much better defensively. We'll have Russell back. Hopefully we shock the world. Um, but it's going to take a shock the world moment because I think Green Bay is that good. So it sounds like we're going to have Russell back. And Geno Smith filled in for Russell. And overall, 65 of 95, 68% completion rate, 702 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. That sounds like a pretty good run for Geno Smith. Now, you look at the wins and losses, didn't work out for him. But overall, how would you feel about Geno stepping in for Russell? Well, I think Geno did what we wanted him to do. 
Uh, look, you're a backup. You, you hope you can, if you're out three games, you hope you can win two or three. You hope you have a chance to win in the fourth quarter. You need everybody else to step up. Well, guess what? He did that. He had a chance to win every single game. Had the ball in his hand to go and make the drive to win. And that's just a guy who hasn't got any snaps, right? Just being in those situations. He finally got relaxed, and and he had a great game against the Jags. And everything, oh, it's the Jags. Well, guess what? What did they do the next week? Beat the Bills. Bingo. And the Bills, who most people thought at the time was probably the best in the AFC. Yep. It still might be. Um, so every week, I mean, we're watching Miami right now, you know, give the Ravens all, all they can have. And uh, this week, this league, you got to be ready. You got to be healthy. And that's why I would not be surprised us going into to Green Bay, playing a great game and winning with Russell. Um, but I also wouldn't be surprised if <laughs> I think Green Bay's really good. And yeah. you don't hear me say that very often. I, I think they're really good on both sides of the ball. We're going to have to play great special teams. We got to make every contested play because Aaron will throw contested balls. Mm-hmm. He, he, tr- he trusts his arm so well. Um, he's going to give you a chance if you can just jump a little early on him. Um, and we're going to have to make, again, every big play. Those five big ones, we got to come up with four of them. Here's some context for you. Offensively, the Packers are ranked 22nd overall, 18th when it comes to the rush, 22nd when it comes to the pass, 20th when it comes to points per game. The Seahawks 29th in total offense, 21 when it comes to the rush, 27 when it comes to the pass. Now, you flip over to the defense. That's where the difference is. Overall, the Packers are ranked 5th against the rush. They're 16th against the pass. They are 7th points allowed. They are 6th. You look at the Hawks, 31st overall, 25 versus the run, 28 against the pass, 8th when it comes to points allowed. I think that is where the Hawks stay in this fight. They don't give up a lot of points. They might give up a lot of passing yards, a lot of rush yards, but if they can keep this game close, they might be in it in the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, if you're looking at statistics, the one weakness, I guess, where they're statistically defensively is the rush yards or average, not yards per game. I don't care how many yards per game. That dictates if you're ahead, behind, maybe there's just not True. enough snaps. I want to know what they're rushing on an average. And, you know, that's – I'd love to see the median of that as well. They're 26 – actually, I have it here. They're 20 yeah, – I'm glad I don't have it. Oh, they're there. Yeah, they're 26 in the league on that. So there's some statistics that, you know, maybe we can have some success. But, you know, a half a yard difference – it can drop you 15 spots, yeah. you know, and so it doesn't necessarily, it's not the, the big plays that matter, but I would like to say we, we got to control the clock on, on, we just can't get the ball to, to Aaron Rodgers, In my opinion, we got to control it. We got to score when we have those opportunities, we got to play perfect football and we're capable of it. We've talked about this. We have the talent. We did not play well the first four games of the year. And, you know, we're, it's kind of like last year. We're getting back to where we need to be defensively. I think offensively, we know what we have. We just haven't had Russell. Now, we can't ignore that Russell Wilson is coming back from an injury, right? What injury? That, that, that finger. He had a what pin, injury? pin in that thing. He said it's – the doc said or whoever said it's going to be better than it was before. Better than before. It's like when you break a bone, right? Hills back stronger. <laughs> I guess. It's going to be cold out there. So, we have to see if Russell's finger can respond. Because I know I got I got a screw on my foot. When it gets cold, that screw hurts. It takes me a while to warm that thing up. So I would assume that Russell's going to take all the precautions. He's going to get out early. He's going to have his sleeveless hoodie on. He's going to feel the weather. He's going to make sure he is good to go. If there's anybody I believe in in the cold, it's going to be Russell Wilson. All right, when we return, we will talk to Bill Huber from Packers Central. That is next on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday right here on 710 ESPN from 7 to 9. I'm Michael Bumpus. I'm with Paul Moyer. Now we get to talk to Bill Huber from the Packers Central. Bill, what up, man? How you doing? I'm great. How about you guys? We're doing okay. Now, I know it's been a tough week over there in Green Bay. You got Jordan Love. You got to see the guy that the Packers moved up to get. Didn't do bad. Didn't do great. The guy still has to learn a bit. Then the Aaron Rodgers drama. Am I vaxxed? Am I not vaxxed? Who cares? What's the feel over there in Green Bay? Do the fans feel betrayed? Are they just ready for Aaron Rodgers to come back? What you got for me? Man, that's a great question. I don't know. It's You, you know, you, you get into trouble paying too much attention too much attention to Twitter. Um, it's, it's not real life. I'm fascinated. Um, Sunday, if they continue with the usual offense-defense rotation, the offense will be introduced, so which means Rodgers presumably will be the last person out of the tunnel. I'm really fascinated to see the reaction. My, my feeling is people my feeling is people don't care um, to the extent of they just, you know, life sucks in a lot of ways. You know, life is tough, and I, I just think sports is a distraction for a lot of people, and 
by God, if Aaron Rodgers can go three touchdown passes on Sunday, all will be fine. That's what <laughs> I think, but I, I can't say that I know for sure. You know, and you're right. I, to me, this has become a social media, you know, mm-hmm. and media on him more than anything. But I, I guess the next question is, what about the players? I mean, it, I haven't heard anything from the players saying anything negative. Have you? No, but this is where it hurts us. You know, you know, back pre-COVID, we could go into the locker room and you know, you'd, you'd have relationships with players, and they would trust you enough to say something. Um, well, you know, just sort of, you know, even just to give you a, a kind of a feel. I mean, we, everything's in front of the Packers.com cameras now, and no one's gonna say they're pissed off at the quarterback. You know, um, my feeling just from covering the team for so long and kind of knowing how players think is, as long as this guy can go win football games for him, which of course he can. Um, you let it go. I mean, look, Devontae Adams is out the week before with COVID. He was vaccinated, so there's no guarantee that if Rodgers were vaccinated, there's no guarantee that he wouldn't have gotten sick anyway. So um, I think players just want to win, and they, and they know darn well who's going to help them accomplish that. Aaron Rodgers is one of the best quarterbacks to ever play the game. Um, if he does play, we assume he's going to play. He's going to show up a day before the game and be ready to go. Any concerns about him understanding the game plan and, and how to execute? I think – He's going to be good to go. What's the feeling over there? Yeah, that's the feeling. You know, it's you know, it'd be no different if Russell wasn't around either. Everybody got so used to doing all the Zoom stuff back in the you know back in 2020 when you, when you couldn't get together. Um, these coaches are pretty good at this stuff now, as far as teaching guys virtually. Um, so you got that going for you. Obviously, Rogers knows the offense inside out. He's he's seen everything. He's done everything. He's got. Who only knows how many thousands of reps with Devontae Adams and, and their other receivers. So it's not ideal, but it's really no different than, than if Russell is going through it. I mean, Russell, Russell's seen everything, too, and he's, he knows the game plan. He knows the offense. They'll, they'll be okay. It's not ideal, obviously, but when you have a veteran quarterback, this, is, this is certainly helps. I know the Packers have you know, been a nemesis for the Seahawks, particularly in Green Bay. I mean, we haven't won there since 1999 when Mike Holmgren went back and uh, that I was there. It's been a long time, and and we're also used to seeing you know explosive offense, and it, you probably have to score thirty points, and you could against the Packers at times on defense, but their defense is lights out. I mean, I watched that Arizona game. They they get they get after people. Fifth in the league. Tell us something that we don't know about them. I, the, we know all the the big names offensively, but what about defensively? Well, it's interesting, you know, when when Matt Lafleur hired Joe Barry as defensive coordinator. I mean, the fans just hated it because uh, Barry had run defenses in Detroit and Washington, and they were just god awful. I mean, just absolutely horrendous. Like, if, if they weren't last in the league in something, they were you know, they were thirtieth. I mean, they were just terrible. And I kept trying to tell people that he had garbage players. I mean, the coach is only good, as good as his players. I mean, I had no idea if Joe Barry was going to be good or not either. But it was I figured it's worth pointing out. Uh, he's really worked wonders at this group where they're without their all-pro cornerback J.R. Alexander since week four. Uh, their pro bowl pass rushers that Arius Smith hasn't played since week one. Uh, they just keep stopping people. I don't know how they do it, honestly. I mean, you figure they, they, you figure they get run off the field by the Cardinals. They didn't. You figure they get run off the field by the Chiefs, and they didn't. Devondre Campbell is their every-down inside linebacker. He was a street-free agent until the middle of June. I mean, those those kind of guys are freedoms for a reason, generally, because it's they're not highly regarded. And he's been he's been a total godsend. Um, with all our cornerbacks hurt at one time or another, they took Rasul Douglas off the Cardinals practice squad. This is his fourth team in the calendar year, and he's been really good. I, I have no idea how he's going to cover DK Metcalf on on Sunday, but they've got contributions from guys who on paper, you wouldn't think would be able to do it. And so I think that's a card to A, the players, and, and, and B, the coaches, for putting these guys in a good position. Hey, Bill, you guys were in the running to hit the Odell Beckham lottery early. Uh, the Seahawks were one of his destinations or places that he wanted to go, and then he narrowed it down to you guys, the Saints, and one other team. What's the feeling out there? I mean, do you guys feel like you missed out on an opportunity, or do you like the guys you have? You have Devontae Adams. You got Ronald Cobb. Um, also, you have – Alan Lazard, I mean, would he have helped this team go to the next level, or are you guys kind of like, we're good with what we have, and let's just move on? Yeah, I think they're, they're probably good. It's easy to remember Odell Beckham of, you know, 14, 15, 16. I, you know, I had a couple other good years after that. It's easy to remember that guy. I mean, he, the last 13 games, he's done almost nothing for him. 
Um, he's not a super great locker room guy from a, a league guy I was talking to, you know, a half hour ago. You hate to say they're good enough because they had all these same guys against the Buccaneers in the NFC Championship game, and when they pushed push came to shove, they they, they couldn't have come through. Um, but at this point, I'm not sure that Beckham is the guy that people remember him being. And look, Cleveland's a championship contender too, right? I mean, the Browns are a really good team, and they've got Super Bowl aspirations, and they figure they're better off without him. So if, if a, a contender like the Browns figure they're good enough without him, that should probably tell you something. Yeah, the trend on him is definitely going the wrong way for him. Uh, you know, he's and then the other thing was just the amount of targets he needs. I mean, he he only gets about sixty percent of the targets caught, and uh, you know, you can't blame that always on, on quarterbacks, I guess. Um, right. Let, let's talk about Coach Lafleur and the relationship between Aaron Rodgers. And I, you know, they started off a little rocky, but man, you watch them now. I, I've never seen a calmer coach. He he just has an air of confidence and not cocky confidence and boy the game plan he calls I'm, I'm really impressed with him is that relationship is it as solid as it looks now at least uh, on tv yeah you know i go back to 2018 this is obviously it was obviously mccarthy's last year i think it was like week five it was vikings rams on one of those thursday night games now obviously mike zimmer's vikings defense had just you know befuddled rogers and those guys for years I mean, the packers won a lot of games but Zimmer's defense really did a number on, on Green Bay, at least relatively speaking. I don't remember the final score of that game, but the Rams scored 45 points, and Jared Goff threw a million yards. And I remember going to the locker room on Friday, and the buzz among the players of, did you see what the Rams did against the Vikings? Um, I think the minute that LaFleur was hired, Rodgers is on board with it. I know the national perspective on it was, there's this young coach, Rodgers is going to run roughshod over him. But this is... So what Rodgers wanted. Rodgers wanted a cutting-edge scheme, a, a fresh young thing, a fresh young offensive system to run. And um, just knowing that Vikings-Rams result from that season, um, I, I think that stuck out with him. And, and you know, LaFleur's given him a lot of autonomy. Um, obviously, you know, if you go back to 17 and 18, you know, Rodgers, frankly, wasn't great. He's flourishing LaFleur. Yeah, these guys are, these guys are really solid. All right, Bill, we know it's going to be a tough game regardless of who's under center, but we know that it's going to be Aaron Rodgers versus Russell <laughs> yeah. Wilson. So, man, right. we appreciate you taking your time out of your day, man. You have a good night. I take care, guys. I appreciate it. All right, thank you. All right, that was Bill Huber from the Packers Central. When we return, we will talk to Ray Roberts. He's Seahawks pre- and post-game analyst right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9. If you don't know, now you know. I'm Michael Bumpus with my guy, Paul Moyer. Got Kanye in the background, and now we get to holler at Big Ray Roberts. Big homie, how you doing? Doing all right, buddy. I'm a little bit rested from my uh, really bad timing to go for a five-mile hike in the pouring rain, but uh, <laughs> but I made it happen. Ray, there was, we have these uh, weather apps now that, uh, that tell <laughs> us. I, I just want to know if your back's sitting it down and you're pouring yourself a little apple crown, you know, just oh, watching the game. Okay, just checking. Yeah, you, you know, it, it is fun. I haven't gone for a hike in probably like three or four months, and I decided that today would be the day. And, and yeah, I, I have like three or four weather apps, Paul, and I just ignored all of them. <laughs> well, you haven't gone for a hike in a while, and these Hawks are going to have to go for a hike these next two games, starting with the Green Bay Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to be available. We know the offensive weapons that they have, Devontae Adams, Lazard. You got Aaron Jones. You got Dylan in the backfield. When you look at this Green Bay offense, what concerns you the most? All of it. <laughs> I mean, you have you have two you have two effective running backs. Uh, they both average over four yards, you know, four and a half, four point seven yards a carry. And then Jones is also a weapon in the in the passing game. So uh, you know that kind of you know kind of gives you some headaches. And then you have Adams and Lazar on, on the as the receivers. And then if Aaron Rodgers is playing, Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers. So there's a, there's a lot uh, to deal with with this offense and with our, the way our defense hasn't quite kind of rounded into to, to its best self, uh, I think that, you know, obviously that's going to be a challenge. It gets worse, Ray, because their defense is actually statistically better than their offense. They're fifth in the league right now. Uh, they're fifth in yards per, per game passing. They're six in points given up. Um, you know, a little in the middle of the pack and towards the end uh, on yards per carry uh, average, though, 
on that, but they they do a lot of things, man. They they, they a lot of different formations offense or defensively for in fronts, and they're bringing guys off the corner. How do you think our offensive line has settled in now from a protection standpoint? You know what, Paul? I think they're getting there. They're still they're still not quite there. When when I watched, I went back and watched like two or three uh, games, the last two or three games, and the protection is getting better. But there's still those moments where uh, you have the one dude that kind of each turn you know messing up, you know, and so it's never a really consistent pocket. There are moments where it's better, you know, like some of the play action pass stuff that they, they create some room for, they created some room for Gino to throw the ball, but just straight drop back, you know, pass and pass protection. They're still just uh, still not quite there, especially passing off games. Uh, they still haven't quite, you know, found that chemistry. Uh, and I really do think like with the Seahawks have all the weapons on offense to be a, an effective, effective offense and explosive, you know, so to speak. But the, uh, this team is going to go as far as the interior lines take them. Like the, the defensive line can play a little bit better, get a little bit more pressure on the quarterback, and then the offensive line can just be cleaner. And they just haven't quite gotten there yet. They have good football players. They don't need to go find you know some other free agent guard or tackle or whatever. These guys just need to play up to their capabilities to get the Seahawks a chance to really make a run uh, down the second half of the season. After we beat the Jags 31-7, and we look good. I mean, Gino, again, we executed well. We jumped on them, and we're all thinking, oh, it's the Jags. And then the Jags go and play <laughs> Buffalo and hold them to, what, six points? Yeah. So now I'm thinking, well, maybe we're – because we have played a tough schedule, you guys. We played the Rams, yeah. obviously. We played um, – uh, I'm, I'm at Pittsburgh, Tennessee, Minnesota. These teams have turned out to be better than maybe we thought at the time. So, I mean, just what what do you make of that? I mean, we thump the Jags, which we're supposed to. They did go against Buffalo. You know, what, what do you make of that? Well, you you know, Paul, like you know, we always say this, you know, a lot too, is that you're never, you're probably, it's never probably as good as you think and it's never as bad as you think. So it's, it's somewhere in between. And so I, I think, the game plan in and of itself was better against the Jaguars. And I've seen all season, uh, Dino getting the ball, you know, just kind of been completion driven. You know, they created some, some passes for him to complete for, to Tyler Lockett and, you know, kind of getting the ball out fast, not really holding the ball, not pushing the ball down the field as much. So you're taking these body blows before you then take the knockout shot you know, over the top. And I think that really worked for Gino. Like, does that work for Russell if he plays? I'm not quite sure. And then with the running game, it was the most connected I've seen the running game with the off, with the passing game. Even though there were a lot of yards they still left on the field, especially in the second half in the, in the running game. Uh, but there was some, you know, Rashard Penny missed, a, missed the hole a couple different times. Uh, and then there were times where the tight end missed the block or maybe the right guard missed the block. But, you know, and there was but there was space there for the running back to gain yards. And so I think with the, with the running game, they have to take the yards that are there first, like those three or four yards when you get good push in the middle and then try to make something happen after that. But I thought just the overall game plan, just getting the ball out fast, mixing the play action pass, being committed to the run. I think that made the difference in the Jaguar game. All right, big Ray, the Hawks miss out on Odell Beckham. Looks like he's going to LA to play for the Rams, but you have Russell Wilson coming back. Is that all this team needs to make this run for the playoffs? They are three and five in one spot out of that seventh seed. Does Russell coming back make things all better? Well, I mean, you, you hope so. You hope that Russell coming back combined with the way they called offense against the Jaguars, uh, you know, getting the ball out. Like, I, I feel like Russell needs to allow the playmakers to be playmakers, and and he doesn't have to be the playmaker. He just has to get the ball to the guys that can make plays and then and then uh, clean up the running game a little bit. And, you, and like, when we're talking about the running game, you don't have to rush for 150 yards. But if you can rush for 80 or 90 yards and pick up some third downs with the running game, I think that kind of – helps the offense you know uh, i think they're all the pieces are there if you had obj obviously like you know that's kind of that would be a luxury to have and it would have been great to have him great to see how they were going to work all of that out uh but they have the pieces here to be an explosive offense if they can get all those things working together so you have the protection you have the run game and you have the play calling and you have the quarterback getting the ball out spreading the ball around looking for completions you know before you're looking for the big play i think that's the best way for this offense to thrive. 
All right, so no Odell Beckham. Russell Wilson's coming back. Also, Dwayne Eskridge is coming back. How do you see him affecting this offense? Is this one of the pieces that this offense has been missing when it comes to really opening up the playbook and being creative? Yeah, you know, the the thing I'm excited to see is uh, we keep running the fly sweep with the tight end. And it's like, <laughs> man, like we have Freddie Swain and now we have D. Eskridge, like why aren't we, or Penny Hart was even there for a minute. Like, why aren't we running the fly sweep with those dudes? You know, they, they get to the corner a lot faster and can do a lot more damage. So I think that element to the run game uh, that D. Eskridge can bring, and then obviously being explosive, you know, in slot is that third receiver, you know, if D.K. and and Tyler are pushing guys down the field, and he's playing some of the underneath stuff. You know, he can you know run after the catch, can really do some damage. So I'm I'm excited to see kind of what he brings. He kind of has like this energy about him when he's on the field that you kind of can't wait to see what he's going to do when he gets a ball in his hand. So I hope they find creative ways to, to to give him a chance to carry the ball and have some impact on the offense. Ray, we have not won in Green Bay since 1999. The first year Mike Holmgren was here, and I back when I played. Um, we were in the AFC, so we didn't get to play Green Bay every year. And when we did, they played half their games in Milwaukee, half their games in Green Bay. I never stepped field until 1999 on that, you know, in, in Green Bay. I was going to throw this right. frozen tundra, but it, it's not always frozen. But you played in Detroit. You guys used to play there. I don't mm-hmm. know if you played there every year if they were rotating Milwaukee to, to Green Bay. What? Part of it, look, we haven't won since 99. They had Brett Favre, and they've had Aaron Rodgers. That's pretty tough to do. But what is it about playing there? I mean, can you give us a, just a, a feel for what, what Lambeau feels like being there as an opponent? Yeah, well, the thing that was interesting is playing in Detroit. You know, we you know, we played them, played them there every year, and then, you know, we went home and away uh, that way. But we always tend to play them in the, in the winter when it's super cold up there. And teams – teams would make more of the cold than the Green Bay Packers would. And I can remember one year it, the snow was blowing sideways in Detroit and the coach, you know, uh, had us practicing outside and you, I mean, you had everything on your face trying to keep the snow from, it felt like it was cutting your face. And we went to Green Bay and uh, I go out like three or four hours before the game. I'm just kind of running around and Brett Favre was like, Hey, I heard you guys were practicing outside. And I'm like, yeah, he goes, dude, we don't practice outside when it's cold. We, we go inside to our indoor practice facility. Like we, the cold is, it's just as cold to us too. We just don't, we just don't spend so much time worried about it. And other teams do. And so I, I think some of that comes into play when it's the weather. And then the other part of it is, um, you know, I don't know if it's the mystique of that stadium or whatever, but we never played good football in that stadium. We the, the the six years I was in Detroit, we never beat them in Green Bay, but we beat them a couple times in Detroit, uh, and and a couple times we had the lead at halftime, and they just came back and won. But you know they did have Brett Favre, like you said, but it's just something about the mystique of that stadium sometimes that kind of uh, you know I, I think get some of the guys that they haven't been there much, you know, and they're thinking about it, talking about it, hearing about it. Uh, and then and maybe sometimes that impacts, you know, when, when those crunch moments come, your ability to step up and make a play. 50% chance of snow in Green Bay Sunday, uh, low of 26, high of 39. <laughs> and, Ray, just for you as we let you go, um, it says watch for flood warnings or flood warnings around <laughs> the rivers for anybody hiking out there. Be careful. <laughs> I, I I really do appreciate it. The thing that was funny is as I was out there walking, the whole time I was thinking, man, if I told the guys I'm out here walking, like I decided to go for a walk as they're telling us it's going to be just pouring rain. And for some reason, I justified it in my brain somehow that this is a this is the perfect day to go out for this walk. And the whole time I was just thinking like, man, I, I wonder what the guys are going to say when I tell them I went for this this walk out in the rain. And uh, But it was it was, it was good. It was good to be out there. I got soaking wet, cold as all get out, got lost a couple times, but uh, but made my way back to my car and was able to make it home. There you go. Just remember, the sun sets in the west, Ray. Just head towards the sun, <laughs> and you will make your way home. Hey, big homie, appreciate you taking time out of your night, man. Have a great one. It is Thursday, so that means you're either watching Thursday Night Football as the Dolphins get on the board, mm. or you are listening to myself and Paul Moyer. But right now, it's my favorite part of the show. It's time to talk that talk. It's time to talk that talk with Michael Bumpus and Paul Moyer on Hawks Live. Time to talk that talk. I'll tell you one thing. These Dolphins are putting up a fight against the Baltimore Ravens right now. They were a playoff team last year. Yeah. With a good defense. And they're 
horrible coming into this game, but there are no great teams, particularly in the AFC. No, there aren't. Okay, let's get back to what we're supposed to do, Moyer. My question for you, the Seahawks will be a top 10 offense the rest of the way with Russell Wilson under center. The rest of the way. rest of the way. Because right now they are 29th in offense. Shocking. (laughs) I'm shocked. We're 31st in defense. And, again, I don't get into statistics. You do. You just say they're 29th. You're shocked. I said I'm shocked. What I mean by I don't get – I don't look at a team and go statistically, oh, my God, we can't win or Mm -hmm. whatever. I look at quarters. Are we progressing in the right way? Um, I'm going to say no. Mm -hmm. And, And I think it has to do with more the teams we're playing. We play Green Bay. Green Bay's a good good defense. We got Arizona. We're gonna have to play twice. They have a good defense. We still got the Rams. We got a lot of top ten defenses that we've got to play. We got the 49ers again that always play us tough. They're getting healthy. So I think it has to do more with the competition than it does to do with our 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 offense. I mean, I I think we'll be productive and we'll score. Uh, I just think being in the top ten uh, will be tough. You know, I'm going to agree with you. There's nothing that this team has done that says they're a top 10 offense. They've had their moments, but it's, they haven't put together really good games since, what, the Colts maybe that first game when they won 28-16. to 16. Um, They put up 30 points against the Titans, but that was a tale of two halves, getting the first half bad in the second half. Russell Wilson under center, top 10, no. Will they be middle of the pack? Possibly. I think that's probably your aiming point, but that's going to be good enough to win if your defense continues to play like they've been playing the last couple of games, right? They play against the Jaguars, seven points. The Saints only give up 13 points. The Steelers, 300 yards of offense. I think that's the key right there. This offense will be middle of the road, but I think this defense will allow them to stay in the fight and win some ball games. And that's really what it's about. It's about winning the games. It's not being in the top ten. I mean, those are – you know, you, things you strive for, you want that success. But, uh, okay, so we both say no. Both All say right, no. But we do have an important game on Sunday. It's important, like critically important. It's, it's, it's the fifth must-win game of the season. Yeah, I've, been, I've had a few of those, guys. haven't I? <laughs> With the win on Sunday, which we haven't done since 1999 in Green Bay, Lambeau Field, the Seahawks, if they win this Sunday, will definitely make the playoffs. Negative. Just, more just flat no negative more work ahead you got to beat the Packers you got to beat the Cardinals twice you still play the 49ers the Rams pick up Odell Beckham you do play the Texans the Bears and the Lions games that you expect to win there's just too much ahead to say okay they win this game then it's all good we've seen the injuries that this team has gone through right Russell Wilson missed the first few games of his career you got a banged up backfield you want to see if this defense can ha- call some takeaways only three interceptions on this defense I look at this schedule and I'm like, yeah, if they win this game, the chances look a bit better, but you still got to play the Cardinals twice. You still got to play the Rams. They got a new new weapon over there. I No, I don't think so. I'm going to say yes. Okay. And and it has to do with more. It gets us two wins in a row. feel like we're on a roll at that point. We do get Arizona at home. Um, you know, they, they, they may, you know, just watching them lose to – Green Bay, I, I got a feeling there may be uh, some copycat stuff there that we can get after them uh, on their offense. So th- that's one. But here's why I think they, they we win Sunday, we make the playoffs. Okay. Min- excuse me. The Atlanta Falcons are sitting in the last play- playoff spot at four and four. We're three and five. We're a game back of Atlanta. Atlanta. ATL shouting. Thank you. Next is Car- <laughs> the, the Carolina Panthers. They're four and five. They don't have a quarterback. They do. They got Cam. As I said, they don't have a quarterback. <laughs> and then you've got the Minnesota Vikings at three and five. We're tied with them. They got the tiebreaker on us. You get my point here? I get your point. We don't have to be crazy. I think 10 and seven gets us in. Okay. 10 and seven. And I, it's possible nine and eight gets you in. Okay. I don't like the tiebreaker thing with Minnesota. But I think we catch Atlanta. I think there's a chance we catch New Orleans because they don't have a quarterback. There's a lot of teams ahead of us that are not very good football so teams. So it, it's not really about what the Hawks do. They have to win ball they games. They've got to be Sunday. competitive. But you're looking, you're basing it off of the guys that are competing for that seventh spot. You see these guys dropping some games and keeping the Hawks in it. So the, the Hawks can afford to lose, what, what are you saying, two or three games right now? 
Oh, no. I mean, they can lose. I, I think, said two. I think two max. Um, there's possible they could lose. Like nine and eight, that's such a weird number now, 17. But nine and eight has a chance. And I'm just because of the teams in front of us. Yeah. Matter of fact, I think our biggest threat is San Francisco, who we're tied with at three and five. Are they three? Yeah, they're three and five. Um, I think the teams who are ahead of us in that last playoff spot, I think we're going to catch them. Okay. I like that. Oh. I like that. All right. Quandre Diggs is the Seahawks' defensive MVP through the first eight games. No question. Not even close. He's been the most consistent yeah. guy. He's the one who's created some tur- turnovers. He's had big hits. Um, he's uh, To me, he's kept things calm for us. Uh, yeah, no, he's he's been fantastic. All right, look, we got two good safeties. Jamal's starting to play better. Um you know, after I think he's not pressing as much now. Just go play. You don't have to have interceptions and sacks all the time. You can, you know, there's still a game about stopping the other team on third down in a running situation. So, you know, I feel pretty good about the secondary. Uh, I definitely feel great about Diggs, though. Yeah, I agree with you. Even though Bobby Wagner leads the league, not just the team, the league in tackles, you got to go with Quandre Diggs. I mean, he's the most solid player. Now, Bobby makes a lot of tackles. What People don't see what tackles. Like, sometimes you'll make the tackle like eight yards down the field. No knock on Bobby, but that still counts as a tackle. But if a safety gets beat deep or, you know, he, he, he lets someone gets behind him, it's amplified. And there's not one time, Moyer, that I watched the game and I'm like, what was Quandre doing? Why isn't he where he's supposed to be? I mean, I've seen this guy fly downhill in the middle of the field and make tackles that he's not supposed to make. So I'm with you right there, man. I think Quandre Diggs is the best or the defense MVP for the Hawks so far. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes you mentioned something I thought was pretty interesting. Um, it's not just about statistics. It's about putting on the film and saying, oh, look at that guy. Yeah. And Diggs, I put on the film and I go, oh, look at that guy. Um, he He's one for sure to me. I Look, even Jamal Atten, when I watch him on film, his energy and explosiveness, I go, oh, now I did, I don't know about the other games that he's played. I'm just talking about the one game I'm watching at that time. Yeah. And uh, to me, uh, it's it's digs for sure. All right. I think we got time for one more. All right. Okay. Who is more likely to return? Chris Carson or Eskers? I feel like we already – we probably know the answer to that. For this game? Yeah, for this game. Yeah. So, I, I, I think they're both – questionable for yeah. sure right yeah I, Carson's still on IR if I if I'm not mistaken so we we don't they don't even have to talk about him and the injury reports are nothing at this point uh Eskridge the concussion is worrisome to me because it's been so long I mean he went out what the first game after the first game of the year against Indianapolis and we saw a bright spot there my concern for Carson is I'm not sure what it is but I retired with a neck injury and I remember them coming up to me and saying, hey, you can have surgery on this. We can do some stuff. You can still play. You know, I was later in my career. They all said, but I wouldn't do it. You know, it's not worth it. When you're younger, it might be worth it. So I don't know his exact injury, but that thing has to be spot on. And I don't know where we are. So I think D. Eskridge will be the first one on the field between those two. Yeah, I would say D. Eskridge as well because uh... – what you described, Chris Carson, what did uh, Tyson say? Spinal. <laughs> you don't mess with no, it. No. You don't mess with it, a, man. You know, you don't want to mess with the head either, but time heals the brain. Yeah. Right? I mean, the neck, if it's a herniated disc or there's some type of narrowing in there, time doesn't necessarily heal that. No, it doesn't. I think we're in agreement. We agree too much on this one, Moore. I don't like it. Well, you know what? Then we'll just have a split decision, and actually, this will be a draw. It'll be a draw? Yeah. All right. But since I'm the defending champ. <laughs> Says who? <laughs> Roll the tape. Roll the tape. All right. When we return, we will go inside the film room. We'll break down Quandre Diggs' interception. Geno Smith finds DK for a touchdown, and Travis Homer, 44-yard kickoff return. That is next right here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live every Thursday, 7 to 9. If you're watching this Thursday night game, the Miami Dolphins are up 15-3 to with eight minutes left in the fourth quarter. Looks like an upset is brewing, Paul Moyer. No great teams out there. Tennessee's at 7-2. and Yeah. I mean, that's the best record in the AFC. I Again, I'm, I, I probably shouldn't say I'm shocked anymore, 
because it's the NFL. Anybody can beat anybody. We saw that last week. The Jags beating Buffalo after getting throttled by us 31-7. to And we weren't playing well going into that. Now you have you know, Miami, who's been one of the worst teams in the NFL this year, beating you know what most think you know one of the top three teams in the, in Baltimore. But it's the NFL, man. You better come to play every single week. Anybody can get it in the NFL. You know who got it last week was the Jacks. Came to Lumen Field, and these Hawks got her done. Let's go into the film room and break things down. The first play we're gonna break down: Quandre Diggs intercepts Trevor Lawrence in the second quarter. Lawrence drops back, looks, cocks his arm, throws deep. Ball's going to be picked off Diggs at the 20-yard line. At the 25, knocked out of bounds. As I'm not sure who he was throwing to, he had two receivers, one deep and one underneath, and the ball went right between them to Diggs. And the Seahawks have a takeaway, and Diggs has his third interception of the season. What'd you see, Paul? Yeah, I mean, I wish we played a little bit more of this, and we just we man up across the board on this one. Um, we have a a form of a bare front or a five man front on this, so we're uh, playing all man. Uh, no one's in the middle of the field, but we do have a deep free safety, and that's uh, a, a digs in this one. Uh, and again, we're just playing man up. And the thing I love about that, it, all you have to do is play tight for the first ten fifteen yards. And after that, man, the quarterback's got to make a decision. You know, do I climb in the pocket? Uh, do I come off the guy that was my intended receiver? Uh, do I try and throw it away? You know, if he's got time, then it becomes more of an issue. Uh, but in this particular case, we got pretty good pass rush. Diggs makes an unbelievable play on this. I mean, he reads the route, and it's just a, a deep uh, cross, a deep flag route the other, other side of the field coming from the slot. And uh, he kind of undercuts it probably 25, 30 yards downfield, makes a really good play on it. And I would say this, Aaron Rodgers probably doesn't make this throw, but it's still a really good interception. Yeah, great interception. What I like about Diggs here is the hips, right? He opens up towards the west of the stadium, if you're familiar with Seahawks Stadium. Then he flips it back over to the east once the receiver makes that kind of post move. And then now he's in such great position, I can get my eyes on the quarterback now. Let's see what he's doing. There's only so many things this receiver is going to do in the middle of the field going across. That deep down the field, he's not going to stop and try to go the other way. This is a savvy safety right here saying, all right, let's get my eyes back on the quarterback. Not a great throw, but because he's in great position, he can make that play. And I believe that is Trey Brown in the slot yep. guarding this young man, and he's beat. He's, but he's not beat the first 10 yards. He And I think he feels maybe I'm going to get help on this. This to me is more of a zone route mm-hmm. than a man-to-man route because this takes a long time. Uh, and usually in a zone, you you can hit this thing quicker. Uh, and if you have more time, you can let that thing develop even more. When you're in man, I got someone covering them, right? So I have to wait for that thing to develop. Well, I got five guys coming after you in this situation. Um, but, yeah, you're right. I mean, uh, he's beat, but, again, it's a good play. I personally, I like to – now you're putting pressure on the other team to make decisions, quick decisions. Uh, again, I wish we, we played a little more of that. We don't play enough to me. That's what man will do to you. Okay, next play. Geno Smith finds DK Metcalf for a 16-yard touchdown. Shotgun formation, play fake, looks far side. Throws, puts the ball up, reaching up, making a catch. DK Metcalf, touchdown, Seahawks. DK, I believe it was over Shaq Griffin from 16 yards. Geno Smith is perfect here in this first half today. Here's the thing about this. They catch the Jaguars and man, they're in a three-by-one set. You got DK at the number one spot outside. You got Lockett at the number two and Freddie Swain inside at the number three spot. If you look at the way the number two and number three receivers run this route, it's almost like they know they're not getting this football. They're like, look, we're just here to occupy guys, occupy space. We're going to DK here. uh, Freddie Swain runs the whip route. D, uh, Lockett runs the bubble, and DK does a great job with his release. He's patient. He gets on the defender's toes, gives him an inside move, gets outside, leaves space on the sideline. And I think what's more impressive is actually the throw by Geno Smith rather than the catch. Mm-hmm. I think that Geno Smith put this ball on the back shoulder high to your 6'3", 6'4", receiver, and there's nothing Shaq Griffin can do about it. He's in good position. Shaq is right on the hip, but if you put the football in a perfect spot like Geno did – this is what happened. This shows me a offense that understands, like, you line up 
Right? As a receiver, you can line up, you hear the play call, and you know if you're getting this football or not. You're like, okay, now what's my job? I'm not getting this football. Lock is like, okay, I got to pull this defender. Swain's like, all right, I'm going to go to the middle of the field. They all know it's going to DK Metcalf. Great understanding by the offense, not being selfish. Maybe they maybe they did feel selfish inside. We're not going to see that. But Gino throws a good football. Yeah, there's really nobody open. Um, and, again, I think this is designed purely for DK Metcalf. What's impressive about his release is this corner is determined not to let him outside. He They're, they're trying to force him inside to the safety. Uh, but he does such a nice job of selling. I'm going to go inside. The guy opens up, just opens up uh, to the inside. Uh, so – I'll just say he, he opens up to the inside, the, the corner at that point. And that's when DK at that point, you know, crosses his hips. And now it's basically a fade route, but it's a back shoulder fade route. And I it, I think it's a great throw. It's a great catch. I would tell uh, Coach Waldron, send Swain towards the free safety next yeah, time. Yeah, cross him, deep cross you, him. You've got to occupy him mm-hmm. because if the guy truly cut him off, then you still have a play inside that you can screen that corner with DK size. Yep. You just don't want to do that with the safety coming over. And I promise you that safety saying I'm eyeballing one of those two going deep. So I would have just cleared him out, you know, it, just to uh, just, Hey, free safety. I'm here. That's yep. all. That's all it takes. Mm-hmm. So coach Waldron, if you're listening just for you, Hey, there you go. Waldron. <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. Seven to nine Thursdays. Darn right this he is. is where he's at. He's working on the red zone right now. He's listening. I got you, buddy. This is the red zone play. Red zone play. You heard it here from Moyer. Yep. Next play, Travis Homer, 44-yard kickoff return. Touchdown. Here we go. The onside kick again right and kicks it right to Homer, who picks it up on the run, and he's all the way down to the 20, the 10, the 5. Touchdown, Seahawks. Travis Homer gets it right back. Twice before he practices onside kicks again. As Homer just picks that ball up, he was on the front line. It bounced right to him. He ran right between two defenders and outran the Jags to the end zone. And Seattle extends its lead to 30 to 7. All right, before we break this down, Moyer. There ain't nothing to break down. <laughs> <laughs> this is the hands team. Yes. Were you on the hands team? I was. Okay. Were, were you in the hot spot or you, you were the banger trying I was, to just knock I was out? on the right side, so it really depends, right? And so some kickers, I mean, you, didn't, you don't know. You know, I mean, some kickers want to go to their left, some want to go to their right. I was, I was on the end, so I was definitely the one to get the ball. Yeah. I dreamed about this. <laughs> I dream, because I, I always say, if I get the right hop, I'm, I'm going. To the house. But we had a coach that always said, hey. You get down on the you get down on this. We don't do that. Possession but, first. But if we did, he always gave you a, an out that said, "But if you do and you take it to the house, nice job. If you do try to and you fumble it, you're wrong." So he gave you the ability to make a play, but understand, you better secure that ball. That's first and foremost. So that's a dream that doesn't happen very often. It was weird because on this play, I'm, you know, not much to describe. I mean, they try an onside kick. Uh, it, it, Travis, in this, he gets the ball. He starts to go down, and it kind of splits the two guys who should have tackled him. And instead of going down, he goes, well, I don't need to go down. I'm going. And then from there, it was, I'm scoring. Yeah. I, I, he had some jets there. I mean, that was, that was pretty impressive. I honestly don't understand. It was uh, probably under a minute left in the game at that point. And it was their second time doing it, right? Because they tried it once and uh, something happened. I don't, I'm not sure exactly what happened. Yeah, I don't remember too. I think there was a timeout on the play or something like that. Okay. So they tried it once. When we heard Travis Homer describe it after the game, they're like, all right, he tried it once and I kind of saw a crease there. They did it again. I got the football. I am gone. Good for Travis Homer, man. He needs some success. He's kind of like the guy that people forget about. The reason why I like how we ended this one with special teams, we got to start winning on special teams. Mm-hmm. We're not good enough yet not to win with special teams. And uh, we, we've done some really good things, but we've lost a cut. We, to me, we've lost one game because of special teams. We wish he can never lose one. Saints. Got to win three. Yeah. So they owe us three. Yep. Myers. We're talking to you, baby. Let's go. Uh, oh, Get those field it could games be going. returns. It could be kicking. It could yeah. be punting. It could be field position. That was the first game I remember us really winning the field position battle. Yeah. Uh, and that's people sometimes think, oh, field. I go, no, it's critical, especially if your offense is struggling just a little bit. Yeah, we need and we need three points to be automatic inside the 30. Absolutely. 35. Real quick, just one more note on this. This is about Urban Meyer. What made no sense about the onside kick attempt at all is they scored their first touchdown, which made the score 24-6. to 6, 
And if you're still trying to win the game hypothetically, you would go for two. Oh, they decide man. not to go for two and kick the kick the extra point, and then all of a sudden decide, hey, let's onside kick. Well, they would have been down 16, and then technically it's two scores, even though it's 16. But that just made no sense, and it just it's par for the course for what's going on in Jacksonville. Except they beat Buffalo. Things are, <laughs> you are it's rosy there, man. Do you see their smart? I when they, he beat Buffalo uh, last week. He looked like he got 10 years younger. He was having fun again. I, he had a smile. His, he had some color in his cheeks before. He looked pale and green and like he was he was going to quit football. Winning solves all. Let's see if they can keep that going. Okay, when we return, we'll go around the NFL. The NFL's taunting penalty strikes again. Can OBJ resurrect his career the way a Hall of Famer did? And the biggest frauds at the midway point. We'll talk about that next here on Hawks Live. Hawks Live on Michael Bumpus with Paul Moyer. This is Tupac, all eyes on me, but it's all ears on us right now. No, all eyes on me. All ears on us. Your, 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 your boys out there right now are saying, <laughs> at least you got one right. At least I got one they're, right. They're, they're going to text you and say, okay, good. At least you know music. <laughs> I know a little bit about a little bit, more. That's right. All right. Hey, so this NFL taunting rule, it's something that I really do not like. Football is an emotional game. Sports in general, they're emotional, right? You show your passion. You, yeah. You make a play. It, it's hard to be a robot out there. There's some guys who are good at doing that, and that's the way they work. But I want to say 70% of athletes are emotional. That's what makes us human beings. That's what makes us great athletes. Who's your favorite athlete of all, athlete of all time? Well, I mean, Michael Jordan's probably pretty, pretty up there. I mean, emotional. That, yeah, that was my, my, my era. Football-wise, I, I don't even know. My, Michael's the one that jumps out because I just – you know, just thought he was incredible. And he was emotional. Yeah. He'd dunk on Patrick Ewing. Yeah, and his fist is in yeah. your face. And, you know, I I honestly don't even think it's taunting. I think, you know, there, we know what taunting is. I used – do you remember – you, you may not remember. There's a guy named Emil Harry. He was a wide receiver yeah. out of Stanford. Yep. So we're playing them, and we got number one defense in the country. We got John Elway, and they got, like, number one offense. And I am, you can see, my head is, I'm, I'm walking him back. You, you come across <laughs> the middle again. I'm, do it. Do it. And I'm jogging him to his, that's taunting. That's an escort. Right? That should absolutely be flagged today. Um, but today, they're throwing stuff just off of motion. That's not taunting. I, I, the guy makes a big hit. You almost expect him to get up excited over the guy. And so, yeah, I, I hate this new rule. All right, so we're talking about this because of a situation that happened. Okay, here's the situation. The Steelers face a third and eight from the Chicago 47-yard line with 340 on the on the clock in the fourth quarter. Cassius March, who used to play here, Zach Roethlisberger, which should have forced a punt giving the Bears the ball down 23-20. to 20. After the Sag March did a spinning, like, roundhouse kick. Um, it's a signature kick. That's, that's what he does, yeah. right? Then he took a couple steps to the Steelers' sideline. He, he's staring them down. Didn't say nothing. And far away, too. Far away, right? Didn't say nothing. He's staring him down. And the referee, Tony Corrente, if I'm butchering your name, I'm sorry, Tony. I'm not sorry no, because not. you shouldn't have thrown that dang flag. Um, he's, he's waiting for Cassius to walk by him. He bumps into him, and then he throws the flag. Now, that extended the drive for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wow is right. I don't know, because the punter was running out, whether yeah. the official thought, but he wasn't even looking at the punter. He was looking, looking at the, the sideline. Side he wasn't looking at the punter. He wasn't talking to the punter. I mean, I understand the respect of the game. Like, he's looking at the bench. He just can't. And he's not, he's not talking to the punter there. No, he's definitely not. Nope. Oh, my goodness. Here, watch this again. No, he's already reaching. He didn't do nothing. It's emotion. It's emotion. The Steelers would kick a field goal on that drive and go up six. It didn't decide the game, but it definitely had a major impact. Here's what March had to say about the incident. I think it's pretty clear to everybody who saw it that I wasn't taunting. And, um, like, you know, I've been doing the celebration my whole career, and uh, it's just sad to see stuff like that happen in a close game like that. It's just rough, man. I don't, I don't want to say too much because y'all know how it is. But the one thing that I will say is, uh, you know, on my way to the sideline, I got hip-checked by the ref, and it's it's pretty clear. Um, if I were to do that to a ref or even touch the ref, you know, we'd get kicked out of the game and possibly suspended and fined. So I just think that that was incredibly inappropriate, um, and that's all I'll say about that. 
if he were to bump into a ref, the ref would have fell down. He would have been carted off, on a, had a neck brace on. He would have been fined 50K. It would have been the end of the world. Here's what the referee said. I saw the player after he made a big play run towards the bench of the Pittsburgh Steelers in posture in such a way that I felt was taunting. Posture. This is a machismo sport. There's a bunch of alphas out there. This is a violent sport. Can we – do we have to ignore all of that? Like, I understand that you're trying to set a standard for these young kids coming up, but even in high school football, I want my dogs to be dogs. Mm-hmm. I want them to make a play and feel that emotion that they made a play. And I'm okay with them staring down a guy for a minute and walking away. That's just part of the game, more And you play – I feel like you played in an era where that was the most accepted – that it's ever been. So it must disgust you to see where the game is today as far as taunting. Yeah, I mean, again, I, there's there's a point of taunting that we know goes over the line. I, I get that. and you, you Yeah, I mean, no one really likes that part of it. But the quick emotion, a big play, you know, a big hit. Um, he had a big sack. I mean, you, you got a chance to win that game. I mean, that's just that's a critical play in the game. There was like five minutes left in the game. You, to me, the, I hate the rule. I don't even know if it's the rule. How do I want to say it? The rule's always been there. They're just enforcing it in a different way now. And it's, to me, easy for them to say, here's what you do. It's like basketball. I want you to call fouls early in the first quarter. Let them play after that. You do the same thing with the refs. You say, hey, look, you can talk to them. Hey, guys, stop it. You do it again. Next time I'm going to throw a flag. You know, you guys are getting out of control. You know how to rain. They, these refs know what to do. I think the refs are confused. Now, where everybody's getting mad at the refs, it's coming down from the NFL. The NFL says they're not going to do anything about it. It's part of the competition committee. It's a quick, easy fix. Hey, refs, everybody jump on a Zoom call. All right, here's the deal. Commissioner, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to enforce that really around the first quarter just to set the tone, and then we're going back to how you guys used to do it. It's got to be egregious. It's got to be something where the guy almost punches somebody. (laughs) Other than that, it's a celebration which is allowed today. And so, to me, it's just the way they enforce it. They ruined the game when they really had it fixed last year. When they finally started allowing celebrations and made them fun. Yeah. Before that was like you were sinning. You know, it's like we're going to find you for that stuff. Now the game is fun. Everybody likes it. So they got to get rid of this rule. In the words of Rick James, it's a celebration. You can fill in the rest. I'm not <laughs> not trying to get fired here. No. But, don't. Now listen. Now let's. The world's game is soccer, right? Those do celebrate. They talk. I mean, it's it's super emotional, just like football. So why is football so much different than the game that the world plays and loves? Like, I don't understand why they're trying to handcuff these young men into making them conform to be a certain way. That's the problem. You got old heads at the top, right? These guys who have been in the league for years, own teams for years. Back in our day, you didn't play. Actually, you did play like that back in your day. It was dirtier back in your day. They did a little bit more little extracurricular activity back in the day. I just don't understand why they're taking the fun out of the game. If you let guys celebrate, ratings are going up. Absolutely. Well, people get mad. I mean, everybody's mad at this stuff. I mean, part of it is the whole helmet-to-helmet thing. That stuff's confusing. I mean, there was was a couple weeks ago where the running back lowered his head and hit the defender on the side. When the defender actually got his head down first and was going for his knees – I'm like, I'm beyond confused. I don't know what to do with that. Um, But here's what was interesting is Coach Tomlin was the one who said, hey, I'm all for this rule. We need to get rid of this stuff. He was on the competition committee. So guys that I respect and get the game and they know it's tough, um, they're going to fix this because the fans are going to complain enough, and it's not about safety, right? The fans like it. Let's get rid of it. Let's not have it influence the game. Let the boys be boys. Let them have some fun out there. Okay, when we return, show recap. We'll give our final thoughts and keys of victory. That's next here on Hawks Live. Michael Bump is here with Paul Moyer. Thursday night football, the Ravens look like they're about to take an L. Lamar Jackson throws an interception with 43 seconds left. The Dolphins are up 22-10. to 10. The NFL's wild this year, man. Well, I mean, Lamar Jackson, I mean, look, I, I feel like he's made – Turn the corner. You know, he can beat you throwing and and running it. I'm just not a Greg Roman fan. You know, he, that's their offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. I just think he gets too cute. I was watching some of the stuff he's doing today. I'm like, dude, just play football. Just let Lamar go out and, and try to win some games. But, you know, you're going to have bad games. 
Um, he turned the ball over a couple times. Actually, he didn't. They had a fumble that they picked up, ran for a touchdown. Um, turnovers definitely was a factor in this. But, you know, there really isn't any great teams out there. There's some in the NFC. So I'll ask you, mm-hmm. who are you most concerned with? Who are you afraid of? You have to go up against the teams right now. And to me, there's four of them. There's Tampa Bay. And I'm talking in the, in the NFC. NFC. In the, there's Green Bay. Green Bay. There's Arizona. AZ. Um, you you, you got to throw the Cowboys in there. Do you? You do. They looked horrible last yeah, week. Yeah, last week. Every, everyone has their bad week. At home. I Against mean, the Broncos, I know that's a bad destroyed. loss. That's but a bad loss. You're right. I mean, we're watching Baltimore. They're, they got destroyed. Buffalo got beat last week by the Jags. It's 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 pretty much anybody. But um, And then I got to throw the Rams in there. Definitely. So, of those five teams, let me, I'll repeat them again for you. Tampa, Arizona, Dallas, Green Bay, and the Rams. Who are you most afraid? Most afraid of? Man, I have to go with the Arizona Cardinals. Because what they did last week, they won a game without Kyler Murray, without Hopkins, without A.J. Green. Yes, they beat the 49ers who were struggling, but that you still got to respect that defense. You still respect the 49ers organization. They're not playing well. But what they did without their hogs out there, I'm looking at AZ, and I'm, uh, I'm, I'm scared. I'm a little scared. But I'm waiting to see what the Rams look like with Odell Beckham, too. I'm interested to see what that looks yeah, like. Yeah, I shouldn't use the word scared because we're not scared of anybody. But the team we're most concerned that would give us the biggest problems, that probably has the best chance to go to the Super Bowl, why well, I, I Green Bay went into Arizona, mm-hmm. had nobody. But AZ should have won that game though. That last play, you got yeah. your veteran receiver not on the same page, or at least tied it with a field goal. Yeah, but it was on the road. They had nobody. Their tight end got hurt. They didn't have any wide receivers. Um, really good game plan though. Defensively, they shut down. I thought Arizona pretty well. I mean, they got after Kyler Murray. So. I, I just I'm I'm gonna throw Green Bay in there right now. Yeah. I hope we put it, we knock you know some of that armor off, and all of a sudden we we jump up there even with a four and five record. Tampa Bay obviously in there. I think Arizona, Green, Green Bay, the Rams, they're all worthy, and you know this thing will play itself out. But what I saw on film with Arizona and Green Bay, Green Bay was the better team. So you like Green Bay for the same reasons why I like Arizona because they played a game. A tough game without their dudes and got her done. Here's the other thing. Green Bay is a 22nd rank offense in the NFL. They haven't even let – they haven't had to let Aaron Rodgers loose yet. They've just been winning. I mean, they lost the first one 38-3. They ran seven games in a row. They're you running the football. You can't say that, Moyer, because you don't like statistics. No, I'm just saying that they, they've been winning, so they haven't let him loose. Okay. And they're still winning. Yeah. They've been winning with defense. They've been running, winning running the football. They win it by not turning the football over. I don't know. Does that sound like a team you, up here in the Northwest that you'd like to duplicate? Yeah. Everybody thinks, oh, we got to throw it, throw it. Guess what? Green Bay not throwing the ball all over the place. No, they're not. And they have two backs who are getting it done. You got Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. Yep. Between the two, you got four touchdowns and 900 yards. You got Aaron, excuse me, you got Devontae Adams, 786 yards. And then no one's talking about this guy on defense, man. Devontae Campbell's a good ball player. Mm-hmm. He's fourth or fifth in the league with 83 tackles, and he leads the team in interceptions with two. Hmm. I know that's not big, but for a linebacker, yeah. you're leading the team in interceptions. Man, they got some guys over there. And people are are going to hype up that Aaron Rodgers hasn't practiced all week. He His timing might be off. Man, this is Aaron Rodgers. This guy's been in the league for, what, 13 to 15 years at this point. He don't need to practice. He just needs to show up. What's the game plan? Oh, what defense is this? Oh, yeah, I've, saw, I've seen this defense plenty of times. You're not going to surprise me with anything special. Okay, I got one for you. All right. You got Aaron who hasn't played all week and won't be able to practice for two weeks. You got – our guy, Russell Wilson, coming back from, <laughs> you know, a pin in his finger, taking off, and his, his practicing thrown. But he still just got off surgery and had the pin removed. Who has a better game? Aaron Rodgers has a better game because wow. there's no physical limitations. He's not second-guessing anything when it comes to his body. Mm. And we talked about him being a veteran. He's seen every defense out there. He studied the Seahawks. He knows what they're going to do. I think the thing, if anything, that affects 
Russell Wilson is at his cold, and there's a he had a pin in his finger, and that thing's not 100%. And what if he throws a football and gets nicked up on a, on a shoulder pad or something? Like, there's physical. I think Russell Wilson is mentally one of the toughest human beings in this world, but when something hurts, it hurts. Man, I, I read, uh, or I don't know if it was a quote for him or a tweet. Supposedly he was 19, 20 hours a day that he wanted to – push this recovery faster than any recovery in history, and I'm, I'm paraphrasing on that No, one. I got you right here, Paul. This was uh, Russell during his press conference today. I think to be surrounded around some of the best people in the world, you know, daily, obviously this organization and people around here, um, and also, too, just kind of my performance team. I mean, just to have uh, Amy, my PT, uh, with, with the amount of time. I mean, we literally probably 20 hours a day, 19 hours a day, you know, we're working on, on, on his hands just trying to, to, to break records with this thing because you know it's pretty, it was a pretty severe injury you know in the sense of uh, how many things happened you know and so I think that for me my whole my whole mindset was to cut the time in half no time to sleep you know I mean <laughs> if ever there's Naps. somebody could push a book on positive um, healing you know it's him he because he said look my injury is supposed to be a six to eight week uh, injury and then he said that was just unacceptable to me and I'm thinking. Well, what was he do- Was he, like, sleeping and they're yeah. working on his hand? I mean, you get it, that kind of money, you can do whatever you want, right? His hand's in a chamber as, as he's sleeping, chamber? you know? Remember what T.O. did? He slept in the chamber yeah. for the Super Bowl? That's probably what Russ did, hands well, in the chamber. Well, it's, it's impressive. Whatever it is, he's going to play Sunday. Wow. I mean, you can say whatever you want, but they're pro- he's probably the only guy who's playing this Sunday from that injury. Yeah. And his throwing hand, it's going to be cold. If Russell Wilson can muster up a win, this is going to be one of the greatest stories of his career. I mean, he's got some moments, you know what I mean? But if he comes back after all the stuff he's been through, 19, 20 hours of rehab, hand in the chamber. I'm just going to throw it out there. Probably not true, but hand in the chamber while he sleeps. I don't doubt it. Going to Lambeau Field. They haven't won there since 1999. Three and five, one game out of the playoffs. I mean, this – you get me fired up, right? Man. I'm about to go run through a wall. You heard it here, right? Here first. That is pretty impressive. Yeah. And if he does, uh, that will be. And you're right. He's broken so many records, done so many phenomenal things. This would be, it'd be way up there. All right. So a couple things. What do the Hawks have to do to win this game? Uh, have Aaron test. No, he's not <laughs> testing. I. They're beatable. Um. You know, Aaron throws contested balls. I th- I think the big one I-, I said at the very beginning is there are going to be four or five big plays. We've got to make those. We have got to make big, impactful plays. We've got to have some explosive plays. That doesn't mean I want to throw the ball over the place because they're pretty good at pass defense. You know, we got to run the football, and we got to play good. You know, let's just keep the chains moving. I'd like to win the time of possession, which we haven't done all year. Um I mean, we've been way behind on that. Those are the big ones, turnovers. I mean, all the, the suspects that we throw out there. But I, I, the big one I'll, I'll say on this, we have got to win the five big plays, those contested balls, jump balls, balls on the ground. We've got to get that turnover. None of it can go their way. They're really a good football team that yeah. we're about to play. Yeah, I agree with everything you said, and I think you got to throw in what you said earlier, special teams. Special teams. Win yeah. special teams. Fill position. And make your dang field goals when you are within range. Moyer, man, appreciate you hanging out with me today, man. Special thanks to Bill Huber, Ray Roberts, and John Clayton for joining the show. Executive producer, Nasha Chobie. The Seahawks pregame show was live Sunday starting at 10 a.m. Until next time, I'm your host, Michael Bumas, with Paul Moyer. We'll be back next week right here, Hawks Live.